Well, good morning. And if I haven't already done so, a very happy new year to you. Lord bless you. It's just amazing. So many just take each year for granted. But it's a year of God's grace, another year of opportunity. And it's another time to come under God's word. If, if you are in regular attendance here, your potential is to come under the um, preaching and the, the reading of God's word uh, 52 times, times 204 times in a year, plus your own devotions, growth groups, and so many other ways in which you can hear God's word. And we can't always remember what we heard. But I do remember uh, someone said once, you know, we can't remember all the food that we eat and what meals we had uh, when and what have you, but it did as good at the time. And uh, nothing, the Lord has promised that his word will not return void. So we're going to be looking at Acts, Acts of the Apostles and Acts 22. <clears throat> My heading in my Bible is um, Paul's defense before the crowd. There may be very slight uh, differences in the translations, but the message is there. Acts 22 and verse 1, and Paul says this, Men and brethren and fathers, hear my defense before you now. And when they heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, they kept all the more silent. Then he said, I am indeed a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamel, taught according to the strictness of our father's law, and was zealous towards God, as you are all are today. I persecuted this way to the death, <coughs> binding and delivering into prisons both men and women as also the high priest bears me witness, and all the council of the elders, from whom I also received letters to the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring in chains, even those who were there to Jerusalem, to be punished. Now it happened as I journeyed and came near Damascus at about noon suddenly, a great light from heaven shone around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. So I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Arise, go into Damascus, and there you will be told all things which are appointed for you to do. The Lord bless his word to us, even today. Life is full of questions. And perhaps the biggest question that we ask is one simple word, why? Why this? Why this? Why not this? Why? 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 And it's the most, probably the most asked question, but it is probably the one that we can give the least answer to. Life is full of questions. It's full of whys. And yet, there is a question 
that God dares us to ask him. There is a prayer that he challenges us to bring to him. A prayer that he says, look, this is the prayer that I want you to offer. Well, as we begin this new year, our first service here at Great Parks, we are another year nearer. The second coming, the second advent of our Lord Jesus. And as we look back with thanksgiving, we look forward with that anticipation. Not only of the Lord potentially coming back in 2018, but also of what he just may be pleased to do through us. I hope that your life is good. But if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, the best truly is yet to be. The only restrictions, the only limitations on a mighty outpouring of God's blessing is ourselves. The Lord was sharing to his people through the prophet Ezekiel and he said this, I will make them and all the places around my hill a blessing and I will cause showers to come down in their seasons. There shall be showers of blessings. And I'm sure one or two maybe of just going through that wonderful old hymn uh, as, they, as we're reminded of it. There shall be showers of blessings. Far too often we are satisfied with just everyday things. We are satisfied with a little drizzle. We don't really seek showers of blessing. But God wants to bless his people. It is his desire to bless those he has created. Jesus is the saviour of the world. We've been singing about it for the last month, haven't we? We've been reading about it. That he is the saviour today in the city of David. is born to you as saviour who is Christ the Lord. And as we put the decorations away and the lights and the trees and all the other things till next year... Sadly, so many times we put away that wonderful thought of just who Jesus is. Yes, he is the saviour of the world. Glad tidings of great joy that shall be to all the people. Yet most of the people don't really want to know. He may be the saviour of the world, but he is a personal saviour. Millions have experienced that. And Saul of Tarsus was just one more. And he met with the Lord Jesus. A divine encounter. It was in God's diary. I, I'll let you into a secret. I never fill in my diary in Biro. I always do it in pencil because things change and dates alter and times and things. So it's always in pencil. Uh, easy to rub out and change. But you know when God puts an encounter in his diary. It is an indelible ink. He will not change it. Now as the Apostle Paul wonderfully converted on that Damascus road, he preaches in Jerusalem. The response? There was a riot. He was beaten. He was thrown into jail. It is back in a cell. And eventually he's given the opportunity 
to give an account for himself, to be allowed to speak before the crowds, before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council, before the high priests and the teachers of the law. He's given that opportunity. And therefore he begins to share his testimony, his story, his account of why he was doing what he was doing. He shares his testimony, beginning at what was before. Do you have a before testimony? Do you have an experience of meeting with the Lord Jesus? It may not be on the Damascus Road. Very few people are privileged to go there. But it actually could be on this King's Ash Road. Have you had that encounter? Do you understand? Is your heart strangely warmed as I'm sharing with thee these wonderful words? Every believer, everyone who is born again of the Spirit of God, everyone who is a child of the King, has a three, or should have a three-part testimony. What we were, what we did, what we were up to, what we did, and perhaps more importantly, what we didn't do. Before we met with the Lord Jesus. That was an an old children's song from many years ago. I met Jesus at the crossroads. I think Steve remembers that. I met Jesus at the crossroads. There There is a point in your life when you can meet with the Lord Jesus. And he meets with you. And then what happens? You know, becoming a Christian is the most simplest thing on earth. It is the most simplest thing, but the most profound thing. If it was to be advertised that there was an open university course that would cost you a thousand pounds, people would queue up (laughs) to join. And all you have to do is to admit that you are a sinner. That's the hard bit. To actually, I'm not a criminal. I've never beaten anybody up. I've never stolen. I've never cheated. But that's nothing to do with it. It's being a sinner. All have sinned and fall short. Miss the mark of the glory of God. And then, to believe that when Jesus died upon the cross, he died to pay the price for that sin. And then to receive him. My Jesus, my Saviour, wonderful hymn that we sing. What we were, we were lost, we were in sin. What happened? We met with the Lord Jesus. But then the third part of a Christian's testimony should be, what are we doing now? What are we doing for the Lord now? We were lost, we were found, we were blind, now we can see, now what are we going to do? And many, many people... They have a two-part testimony. Because once they've given the Lord the life to the Lord Jesus, that's when the story stops. Because they do nothing after that. Listen to Paul. I persecuted this way. That's what the Christians were called. The followers of Jesus were called the way. I persecuted this way. To the death, binding and delivering into prisons, both men and women. What a horrible job he had. And he thought he was serving God by getting rid of these newfangled way people, these followers of Jesus. He thought he was doing God a service until he met Jesus. 
the risen, glorified Lord Jesus Christ. And in the midst of that holy moment, at that encounter on the Damascus Road, Paul, or Saul of Tarsus as he still is, he asked the Lord a question and he says this, Who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus of Nazareth, who you are persecuting. You? I've never seen you before. How can I? You touch me, you touch my people, who you are persecuting. Those who were around, they saw the light, but they didn't hear the voice. And then Saul turns to Jesus and he asks them the question. And this is the question that God dares us, that challenges us to offer to him. And it's this simply. What shall I do, Lord? What shall I do, Lord? One other translation. What do you want me to do for you, Lord, what shall I do now that I've met you, now that you've saved me, now that I know who you are and I've gladly bent my knee to you and acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior, what shall I do? Lord, what shall I do? And Jesus answers, arise, go to Damascus, and there you will be told all the things Are you ready? Which are appointed for you to do. You see, it's already set out. Steve reminded us in that lovely verse in Ephesians chapter 1. That the Christian is appointed, is recognized, is known before the creation of the world. Now, don't take me on one side afterwards and say, would you like to explain this? I'll say, see, Steve. (laughs) Because we cannot get our minds ready. Before the creation of the world, the Lord knew all about you and me and what we could do or be doing for him. Go and I will tell you. And if we ask that question in whatever form it takes, recognizing him as Lord, he will tell us if, if we will ask. Paul's step of faith was the doorway to an opportunity that could never ever have been imagined. You read through the Acts of the Apostles and just see how the Lord mightily used that man. How he answered his question. I suggest that so many Christians will not ask that question because we might not like what the answer is. You see, we, we're privileged this. We can see so many things that's going on in this fellowship and out. We look back with thanksgiving and we pray and we, we, we're privileged to support in some ways. Poor, um, John and Claire out in China. Lord, you know, Lord, if I, if I, I'd like to do something for you, but don't send me to China. He probably will not send you to China. He's already got a work going there. And we may not ask because we might not want the answer. We might be called to be a street pastor. We might be called to man the prayer uh, bus. What about the men who do youth camps? 
And the Devon youth comes, always wanting more people to help. That might be what you're called to do. What about links youth work? What about here in this place in creative church? What about Pulse? What about the toddler group on a Wednesday teepees? The youth work. Open the book. Ice. Teaching, helping, supporting in the Sunday school, the Sunday club. There's so many things that we could do. Many people even don't even know that there is the Oasis Lunchtime Club. Not a, not a club, is it? Just a, a lunchtime meal once a month. Always, always something to do. The coffee and the tea doesn't prepare itself. There's always someone on this door to give a warm welcome. That could be you, you know. That could just be you. Are you musical? Do you want to join the orchestra? You don't know. But we won't know unless we ask, Lord, what shall I do? What, what do you want me to do? God understands our reluctance to ask him. And I understand that. He's used to it. Remember when he called Moses? And more, you're going to approach the Pharaoh. You're going to go to the Pharaoh and say, let my people go. I can't do that. I, I have no elegance of spe- eloquence of speech. I, 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 can't, I won't find the words. And the Lord said, no, you go, it'll be all right. No, no, I can't. But what does he do? The Lord said, well, all right. I'm going to give you the words. And you get Aaron to share them. Sometimes it may be that kind of a partnership. You might not have to be doing something on your own. You may be joining someone else in doing something. You may be joining a team. But if we don't ask, you'll never know. What about Jeremiah? You go to my people and preach repentance. I'm too young. I can't go. Not an argument I could make today. (laughs) It doesn't matter whether we're too old, too young. God uses who he chooses. And the Lord said to Jeremiah, just go and just do it. And that's what he did for the next 40 years. Gideon. Oh, we love the story of Gideon, don't we? Rise up, mighty man of God. And this is when he's hiding in a wine press. Excuse me, angel. I am part of the weakest clan. And I'm the weakest link. I am. It does not get any weaker than me. But the Lord used that for a mighty, mighty victory. If God chooses, God uses. They all went And they served in their weaknesses, in their inadequacies, with all their doubts. Writing to the church in Ephesus. And he writes this. For we, the Christian, are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. And we should walk in them. We should walk in them. And that's it. He understands. There's a work 
for Jesus, ready at your hand. Tis the task the master just for you has planned. Haste to do his bidding. Yield him service true. There's a work for Jesus. None but you can do. I'd only been a Christian a few months, going back to 1984, early 1995, and a dear friend of ours, some of you may know, um, Harold Humphreys, and I was in a fellowship up in Bury in Lancashire, and Harold took me on one side, and he said, Derek, you're getting on my nerves. Can you believe that? <laughs> he said, you're getting on my nerves. And I said, <laughs> you see... Harold was one, a lovely man of God, but he, he, he actually, like we do in the North, we say it as it is. Uh, and I said, I'm sorry, Harold, what, what have I done to offend you? He said, all I can hear from you is one prayer, and one prayer only. All that you're saying, every prayer meeting, save Jackie, save Jackie. I said, Harold, I want, I want Jackie to know what I, what I know myself now. I want Jackie to be saved. And he said, wonderful. Give her away, not literally give her away. He said, give her away to the Lord. Keep her bathed in prayer, but what are you going to do for him? And I said, I don't know. He said, have you asked? And I said, I'm sorry, no, I haven't. He said, well, you better start asking. You see, Harold didn't make suggestions. He just said it, you see. You start asking what the Lord is going to use you for. And I said, well, I have no idea. He said, well, I do, but I'm not telling you. And I have to say, it was probably two, two and a half years maybe after that when the Lord first used me in a humble way. But that's it. We, we can be so concerned. And don't, you know, please don't stop praying for your loved ones. But don't stop asking the Lord, what do you want me to do for you? If God calls you, he will have prepared you even though you think it's the furthest thing in your mind it's wonderful Billy Graham is now in his hundredth year thank God for that man I have a particular reason to thank God for that man so what was he he was a student at the university and what did he do in his spare time he went around selling brushes and all kinds of things knocking on people's door but he had the gift of the gab, didn't he? He could talk to people. He wasn't shy. And the Lord used that. And countless people have come to know the Lord under that man's preaching. He's the messenger boy. That's all. He was preaching the same message from the late 1940s right the way through. And he's still sharing through the media the message of the gospel. God used that man. God chose that man, and God blessed that man with showers of blessing. As Edward Everett Hale said so eloquently, I am only one, but I am still one. I cannot do everything, but I can still do something and because I cannot do everything, I will re not refuse to do something that I can do. Don't ever forget how important you are in your world. And remember also that one person is very important to God too.
Most of his work on earth has been started with one person. God is always looking for people who will do his work on earth. And the challenge is, will you be the one that he is looking for to do a work even today? Where to start? Where to witness? Where to share? It could just be the people next door. Do you know the people next door? Have you spoken? Oh, I don't like. Oh, no, no. Don't like. What about the people you work with? What about the people in Morrison's? Asda. Summerfield. Any Summerfield? Was <laughs> Senior moment. You know what I mean, though? The people that we meet on our daily journey. Visiting the lonely. Offering some practical help. But it will be something, I guarantee, that if you will dare, in some way, somehow, today, to ask the Lord the same question that Paul asked, the same question that I was challenged by Harold to ask all those years ago, you will get an answer. And if you are given that answer, or when you are given that answer, you may be shocked, you may be surprised. But I hope you'll be delighted. God will already have prepared the way. He will already begin that work of preparation. It will be something. Do you know we forget the great commission? The Lord Jesus is about to ascend back to the Father. And he gets his men together. And he says, look, go into the world and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Take that word out. I've shared with you. Now you share with someone else. Remember Peter's words. Peter the apostle. Thank God for Peter. The Lord used him in a mighty way. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you to give a, a reason for the hope that is in you. Why are you so cheerful? Why are you so positive? I hope you are. Why? Why? If someone asks you, you'd be prepared to tell them. There's a work for Jesus. Only you can do. Tell them. That's it. To share this good news. Well, I can't do much. I can't move about like I used to do. You can pray. You think, you look back in church history. The greatest revivals in our history have been started by a little group of people on their knees with open hearts and open minds crying out to the Lord. And that wonderful old hymn tells us, doesn't it? Send a revival. Start a work. In me? Dare we sing it? <coughs> Send a revival. Start a work in me. There is a work you can do, and that's to encourage one another. The writer to the Hebrews tells us that, look, we are moving towards the end times. Encourage one another. Encourage one another. Hey, it's good to see you. How are you? And when you ask somebody how they are, mean it. We've got into a habit today. Are you all right? Yep. And we've gone. Ask somebody how they are. Find out about them. When someone's unwell, encourage them. 
That's a work for Jesus. Only you can do. We are to share the Great Commission, to pray for all the saints, to encourage one another. And there is one thing we can do, and that is to love one another. Oh, here we go again, that love thing again. Yes, it is. And you know, the thing is, we forget that it's not just a nice little suggestion from the Lord Jesus. It's a commandment. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That you, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. When this bad news in a church fellowship, it spreads like wildfire. The good news doesn't spread quite as quickly. But what a wonderful thing we can do for the Lord if we will love one another. Finally, says Peter, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tender-hearted and courteous. All these things we can do for the Lord. God has no plan B. He has no plan B. It's all set out in his holy word, exactly what he wants. It started with those 12 disciples. The 12 became 120, meeting in that upper room, waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then Peter steps out and preaches his first sermon. And 3,000 men, plus the women, plus the youngsters, gladly bent the knee and gave their life to Jesus. <coughs> Those 3,000 were added just weeks later. Added, added, added. And because someone told someone, we're here today. And someone was inspired to build this chapel, to plant this place here. There is a work for Jesus. Ready at your hand. All these people asked the Lord, What shall I do? What shall I do, Lord? They all received their answer. John and Claire didn't suddenly wake up one morning and thought, I'll tell you what, let's go and work in China. That'll be a nice idea. No. They sought the Lord. They asked him, What do you want me to do, Lord? Where do you want us to go? Where do you want us to go? For 2,000 years, men and women, boys and girls, have asked that same question and received their answer. Dare we ask that same question today? Dare we ask that same question? Or would you be happy to come here each week? Or this is, oh, we love going to great parts. It's so nice. Or are you going to take up the challenge? God willing, we have a whole new year before us of opportunities up on QED, of opportunities up on the, on the car boot, of door-to-door, of handing out tracts, of personal witnessing. <clears throat> and God says, will you offer that prayer today? Paul writing to, and I close with this, Paul writing to the Christians in Rome, Romans 12 and verse 1, he commends us to offer ourselves daily a living sacrifices, trusting that it will be holy, pleasing, and acceptable to him. 
But we do that daily. Or are we frightened of the answer? There's nothing to be frightened of, friends. God will not ask anyone to do that which he hasn't prepared them to do for him. Let's pray together. Our gracious Lord, as we have come together around this word today, the first message of the year here in Great Parks, dare we rise up to the challenge. And Lord, I'm asking that you would encourage each of us today and in the coming days and weeks to offer that simple yet profound prayerful question. What shall I do, Lord? Lord, if there is one who has been already spoken to by you, challenged and encouraged, and yet is fearful, take away any needless fear. Replace that fear with a sense of joyful anticipation. So, Lord, we commit this word to you. We commit ourselves. We commit this fellowship in and through the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, our final, uh, our final song, our final hymn is 400. And 28 is a wonderful, wonderful hymn of thanksgiving, of appreciation.